we've been journeying through the Sermon on the Mount, and we took some time to really go through the Beatitudes, starting in chapter 5. We went through the Beatitudes into the law and how we are to either live by that law and not break that law and what that means to us. And I find it very interesting um, in chapter 5, starting at verse 18, all the way into the end, Jesus is really getting to the motive. You know, he says a lot of things, but he's also, it's focused on the motive of what we're doing, the action of what we're doing. And so today, we're just going to journey into the next part of that, kind of like the heart of this Sermon on the Mount. And it's starting with an aspect of generosity. And I believe when Jesus was given this sermon, giving, but also praying and fasting were the three pillars of faith that really applied in the context to the people he was speaking with. And so today we're discussing generosity, but over the course of the next few weeks, we'll get into generosity, praying, and fasting. But I want you to kind of let that seep into your mind because a lot of what Jesus was teaching now, it really is connected to all three. And, and the audience of which he was speaking to really knew that this was like a standard obligation. You gave, you prayed, and you fasted. But today our focus is on generosity. I want to tell you a little quick story that's connected to the text. You know, I was once living in Thailand. I love Asian countries. Um, and, and one thing about Thailand, it's just fresh fruit everywhere. And so I went for a walk, beautiful day. Along that walk, I wanted to grab one of my favorite fruits, which is passion fruit. Stopped at this wayside stall, got some passion fruit, was heading back to the place I was staying, went into the kitchen, cut that thing open, was so ready to eat that thing, Chanel. But the moment, I, the moment it got to my mouth, fortunately enough, I looked down. This thing was alive. It had maggots on end. And, you know... I, I, I believe Jesus knew about the things that was really connected to looking fine on the outside, but unpleasant on the inside. And so we find here at the heart of this Sermon on the Mount, we find his shrewd comments on what it means to live a life outwardly pleasing and also inwardly pleasing. And so let's go to the text. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. It says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. Verse 3. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And so I want to row through this. Four verses, not going to be before you too long. I hope I can keep your attention. But I really want to row through this in three, like pretty much three points. And the first point is we see in verse 1, there's a mandate to do good. It says, take heed. Take heed is like attention, y'all. Listen, this is important. Jesus said this a lot. Take heed. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. 
Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh-oh. You know why I say uh-oh? Because if you, if you look a chapter before in chapter 5, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, Dan, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. They'll praise your Father in heaven. Hold up there. There's a conflict. There's a conflict because Jesus said a chapter before, let your light so shine before men so that when they see your good works, Tony, they will praise your Father in heaven. But then in Matthew 6, verse 1, he says, take heed that you do not do your righteous deeds, your generous deeds before men to be seen by them. So I, I think the first mandate to do good here is how we navigate this conflict, right? Can y'all see the conflict? Can y'all feel the tension? And um, I'm a little shaky because I think I drank too much coffee. <laughs> I'm like, ah! <laughs> but these two things are mutually exclusive. They're so mutually, mutually exclusive. And I know some of you may be asking yourself right now, well, what am I to do? If Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they see your works, they see your deeds outwardly, and they praise me for it. And then he's like, hold up, take heed that you're not doing these things for men. And so I just want us to be very, pay attention to this, this act of balance, that we are called to avoid both extremes, right? We are called to avoid both extremes. See, because the Christian the conflict is of, of the Christian is that we don't want to be ostentatious. We don't want to be too showy. We don't want to be flamboyant and be like, hey, look at me. I look good. It's all about me. What I did is about me. And then we don't want to be so um, into being um, so self-glorification that we segregate, segregate ourselves from the world, right? And so there, these are the two things that we're battling. And there is an impossible tension and I th believe Jesus is telling us to use wisdom. And I, and I believe Jesus is hinting to what we'll discover later in the point about where this is all taking place and why this is important. So we are not to make a habit of either, but we are to use wisdom in between the tension. In between the tension of letting our deeds shine so that men see them and they glorify our Father and also making sure that when we do good things, they are not praised by men, and we are not trying to do it to be praised by men. All right, so we got, there's a mandate in this. We move on now to the method. Verse 2 and 3, I want to read that again. Verse 2 says, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have a glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. And verse three says, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so now I believe we're getting into the methods. And part one of this method is that we're called to be generous, Douglas. We are. Jesus is not saying our outward things don't matter. It's clear, verse two, he says, therefore, when you do give. So we know we're called to be generous. But this isn't very important. Our generosity is important to God. And depending on the translation, it, it has a term called almsgiving, Karina. 
And almsgiving was not just dealing with money. Almsgiving was dealing with anything in generosity, anything helping someone else. It could be, you could be given of your money, you could be given of your time, you could be helping others, giving toward a need, anything which is going to help a person. And these things we are ought to do, we are called to do. Now the fact is, some of you in this room have never had an issue with generosity of giving money. Money has never been an issue for you. And that may not be your challenge. And I believe Jesus is really poking at the holes of whatever the issue is, let's bring it out. And so giving your money may not be your issue, but you neglect to give your time. Or you're not hospitable. Or you overlook to serve. Jesus is not just saying money here. He said, be generous. Verse two, therefore, when you do give, be generous. Be generous. Not just with our money. Money's great. We know generosity with money is excellent. But it's also in other resources as well. And there's a, there's a very, there's a growth approach to this. God, I love the way Je- Jesus meets us where we are, right? That's the beautiful thing. You know, when I first came in this relationship, I tell this story all the time. Jesus disciplined me the way I like to be disciplined. My mom always would just call me out, and I think she's watching. Sorry, mom. She would call me out, get over here, get over here. I like to be talked to in the corner. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He meets us where we are, Brian. He speaks to us the way we need to be spoken to. His languages to us is just so specific. And so there's a progress approach to this. There's understanding. There's grace. So if you've never given, if you're a person who doesn't give anything, start to give something. If you're a person who gives something, give overly. And if you're that overly person, give just out of faith. Say, Lord, I am giving this. I I know it's going to hurt me. I know it's going to pinch me, but I am giving this. There's a progress approach. Jesus knows where we are. He's not judging us where we are, but we are called to grow in him. He's speaking to our growth. We're not perfect. He's speaking to where we are. And so how do we give? How do we give? How does someone who's on a serve team, Allie, serve? And it's noticeable. How do we do this thing? And this is, my, this is my approach. I think we are to be believers who are molded in the secret place. And the reason why is because in the secret place, our motives of our, are uncovered, right? Our motives of our uncovered and safely exposed to ensure we are operating from a place of purity. Jesus is a, God is a loving father. And so if there's things that are off in us, In the secret place, he can speak to you. Hey, I think you're doing it for other reasons. And you can really work out those things in the secret place. So when you're in open, you're operating from a place of purity and not from a place of anything else. Understandable? So that's that's my belief. It's a place where light, the light of the world, exposes the darkness hitting within us. All right? And so what matters is the motive. If any of our motives are done with an eye on the audience, it's unpleasant. It's unpleasant to God. And I believe that's where this text is leading us. And so the first part of this, of the method, is to be generous. The second part is that we are to discern who's like 
matters. Y'all know y'all love social media, and I say y'all because I act like I don't. I actually took a look before I got up here. Social media these days, y'all, are, can be good and bad. But the moment you post that picture, that moment you post that thing, Brian, I don't know about you, but I'm going back to see who liked it and how many likes I got. And don't let it be a story, Allie, because then you're really looking like, who looked at it and didn't message me? Because I know this was good. I know this was a good picture. I went up to New York and I posted a picture of Melissa. She DM'd me. I was like, yeah, I know this was a good pic. So I, I better get some likes and I better get some, some messages in my DM, right? And so I think in the part two of the method, Jesus is really calling to whose like matters? Whose like matters? There's a choice between pleasing self and pleasing God. See, our real desire is to not please others. As such, we want to please them because we know that if we do, they would think highly of us. So it's not about pleasing others. It's about self-pleasing. And Jesus is saying here, who's like matters? Choose between men's like or my like. And so here we find ourselves either self-gratification rather than God-glorification. And we have to find ourselves and our motives in between one of those because those are the two buckets. Whose likes matters? Jesus in the book of John, chapter 17, verses 11 through 14 and 15, he prayed a prayer upon his apostles that reminds us to be in this world but not of this world. Let me read it. Holy Father, each one that you have given me, keep them in your name so that they will be united as one even as we are one. I have given them your message, and this is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world, because I am not of this world. I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask you that you guard their hearts from evil. Y'all, this is, this, is this is the pull. Who's like matters? We know we have been born into sin. And so there's just this desire to not do good. And we know that doing good and being generous is a way that pleases God. But there's also two things that battle, good and evil. And so those two things are fighting from each other. But Jesus is saying right here, be reminded that you are in the world, but not of it. And so you are ultimately called to do good, to be generous. And, and also the apostle Paul in Romans 12, y'all know this verse, verse two, it says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are called to renew our mind. And the reason why we have to renew our mind is because we have to rewire our pattern. We want to please men. It's a natural thing. It's okay. It's a natural instinct to want to please men. I wanted a new truck because everyone on my block has a new truck. And our little cross truck was getting too tiny for our family. So I said, you know what, Chanel, I'm going to get a Denali. Because uh, not only is it nice, hot, but everybody on our block would be looking like, hmm, you know? It's in us. It's in us, and it's okay, but the Lord is really calling to where we are and to our deeds to clean it up. So through the lens of Jesus, our supreme object in life should be to please God. That was the life of Jesus. Jesus did everything to glorify his Father. Everything. 
to glorify this father. He even said that the words that he speak were not of himself. And the words that he did and the works that he did were the works what the father had given him to do. Everything Jesus did and said was to please God. I, I, I just believe that is something we are, we are called to do. Because in Matthew 5, at the last verse, in verse 48, it says, Therefore you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then we go into today's text. And so I find that the writers didn't put that there on purpose. They were intentional and purposeful. They put it there on purpose. They didn't put it there on accident. I apologize. I find that the writers put that there purposefully. Chapter 5, verse 48 finishes up with that scripture. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. My friends, God is not looking at our outward deeds. He's looking at the good of our inward condition. Because the inward condition reflects what we do on the outside. You know, Chanel and I were trying to be good stewards of our money. And um, I bought a truck, but I wasn't, Chanel, I didn't do good with that, that buy. Because it was more than what we planned. But we were originally planning, we did all this research. We looked at affordable SUVs with a third row option. And we came to Honda Pilots. Great trucks. I, we, didn't, we didn't buy that. I bought a Subaru Accent Touring, so, which was way over. But we, we, we were on it. We were on it at first. We were on it. We were on it. We were on it. We were looking at the Honda Pilots, a year 2010 through 2014. It was under 10K. We were on it, y'all. We were like, we'll pay that off, like, right now. And everyone we went to go look at, outwardly, on point. Every time we got there, Chanel, right? Every time we got there, there was just something off inside. Either the door or the armrest was ripped up, and we just was like, that's an eyesore. We don't want that. And I believe this is really connected to how God is with us, and this is what this text is speaking to. It's outwardly, you can look okay, but it's the inward condition that deals with your generosity. Take this. I'm now prophet Samuel. God tells me to go anoint the new king. I come in and I say, hmm, surely, surely it's you. You look good, you're tall, you're handsome. Surely it's you. But God even tells prophet Samuel. What does he tell him? Surely, surely, he says, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I believe this sums up our text. Jesus is concerned about our inward motives and if they are pleasing to him. So what do we do? Do we announce it to others? Do we announce it to ourselves? There's that scripture where it says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is going to do it. Jesus says, don't announce it. Let your motives be pure that your left hand doesn't even know what's about to happen. You just give. You give without looking and you go. Douglas and I were talking. He's like, wouldn't that be amazing? You pull up and you like, oh, there's cameras out front and you put like this large lump sum of cash in that mailbox and you run away and you have a hood on because you just don't want no one to see you, right? I was like, <laughs> I was like, Douglas, we have to get that on camera. <laughs> so the choice is yours. Do you want your like 
and reward from men? Or do you want your light and reward from God? And so those are the two parts of the method. Be generous and whose like matters. And I'm going to walk us through the last point of this. And it's the motivation to do good. The motivation to do good. So we talked about the mandate to do good. We talked about the method to do good. And now we're going to get into the last part, which is the motivation to do good. This is a promise from God, and it's quite all right to seek the reward which God gives. But let it be a holy desire. Let it be a holy desire. Let's not seek it from others. Let our almsgiving be done with motives to be an opportunity to receive reward from our Father in heaven. When our generosity is done without a motive of praise from others, God has taken account for that reward. So what, it, what it's saying here is let God reward us, not men. Don't keep an account of your rewards. Don't keep an account of what you've done. God will do that. All of our works will be judged, and we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And according to the things that we have done, whether good or bad, we all want earthly rewards. And God will reward us earthly on earth here. But there is no reward from God for those who seek it from men. So either way, either if you get it from men or if you get it from God, that's your reward. And so what Jesus is saying here, and I want to go back to the first verse, I mean the, the text, it says, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So whether you get a reward from the Lord, the ultimate sacrifice is that when Jesus was giving this text, he knew he was going to be given his life. And we look at the result of what Jesus did. Everything Jesus did was to please the Father, and we look at the reward God gave Jesus. He rewarded him openly. He exalted him above every name. He said, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. You see that? There's an open reward, and it's not just for when we get to heaven. It's for now. God has reward for us now. But it has to be with the pureness and the condition of our, in heart, and our inward being, of our heart. Think of all the good you have done in the past. And in light of that statement, how much remains to come to you from God? I'll say that again. Think of all the good you have done in the past. And in light of that statement, how much remains to come from God? How much remains to come from God? So we see from today's text what, what good it is to look, what good does it do to look good outwardly without being good inwardly? What good does it do? And it also, it pushes us to be self-examining Christians with our motives in check. Are our actions pleasing to God and are they, or are they uplifting one's own image? So this week, I, I just, I believe the challenge of the text this week is for us to posture ourselves with this in mind. God sees me. God sees me. And whether our motives are pure or whether they're not pure, 
by starting our day with that, I believe it will put us on the right track to do things not pleasing to men, but truly to please God with our good. That's the challenge. That's the challenge in everything we do. God sees me. God sees the attempt. He sees the thought. He sees the word. He sees the action. Everything we do, everything we commit to this week, next month, this year, all the days of our life, God sees it. And if we start each day with that, I believe that will, be, that will begin to put us on the right track. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 1914. He says, so may the words of my mouth, the meditation thoughts, and every movement of my heart be always pure and pleasing, acceptable before your eyes. Yahweh, my only redeemer, my, my protector. King David said that. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Let those two things match up. Let me not just say things and inwardly, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't mean what I say. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And I believe that should be our posture today. David is presenting to God a plea to be blemish-free. A plea to be blemish-free. And like I said, this thing is work. It's not something that we are perfect at. It's not something that we would do 100% of the time. But Jesus is calling us to this, this challenge to do good by pleasing me. And may your good please me and in my sight. So... If this message was for you, and the reason why you'll know if this message was for you is while I was speaking, the Holy Spirit was working in your inward parts. And you were thinking, how could you respond differently to not get men's recognition? You were, you were posturing in your heart, how can I not give to get a reward for men? But I only want to please you, Lord. Or you were saying, you know what? It's not good just to look to appear good on the outward. My outward appearance should match the posture of my heart. And so I want to walk us through that again, and I'm going to land it here, is that our mandate to do good is to navigate the conflict. Navigate that conflict. There's always going to be tension, but we are to navigate both extremes, to let all of our deeds glorify the Father, and make sure that our deeds are purely good, not to be seen by men, but only to please God. And then the method and we do that is we are just to be generous, and we are to work at being generous. Remember I talked about the progress approach? We're to work at that. We're all not at that place of perfection, and we never will. And so we are to work at the posturing of being generous. And also knowing who's like matters. Douglas said it like this, the audience of one. I love that. We only have an audience of one. We're only pleasing one. So going through social media saying, who liked it? Oh, well, happy, but oh, well. In the world of curating all of our moments on social media, you know, Ben talked about it. He was out to dinner, and there was a group of girls sitting at the table. There was no energy there until the phones came out to take a picture. After the, after the pictures were taking, bloop, 
went right back into their phones to put the right filter on there. Y'all, this is serious. Who's like matter? Social media is okay and it's all good. But what is the motive? Who are we pleasing? And then lastly, the motivation to do, to do good. There's rewards in this thing. There's earthly rewards and there's heavenly rewards. But our rewards are not to be seen by men. It's not to look good on the job. It's even a scripture to say, do your work as you're doing it for the Lord. The Lord is your boss. So you're not doing it for no one else but your Father in heaven. So where is that? Where is it that you may be struggling the most with this? Are you, are you struggling with the mandate? Are you struggling with the method? Or are you struggling with the motivation? Where are you? And I want you to accurately take a picture of where you are with this word. Because this, this word is for us. Jesus' word is alive. In the beginning was the word, and the word of God was it with us. This word is alive. This is not just an ancient text. This is the word in which we live. And so there is a word for each and every one of us today. And I want us to properly assess where we are in these three points. The mandate, the method, or the motivation. Where is your struggle? And whichever place you are weak, Jesus is present to bring wholeness in that area. Jesus is present to bring wholeness in that area. And so the band can come forward, and we're just going to transition into a time of prayer. We're going to transition into a time of prayer. So if you want to pray with the members of our praying team, they'll be in the rear and also in the front. We also are going to transition in a time of just worship and communion to really take a moment to really posture and ask God, God, where am I struggling with this? Where are my motives today? And are they pleasing you always? No. And so there is work for us in this word today. There's work for us in this word. There's work for us to clean up. Just like that Honda Pilot, our inward conditions aren't always the best looking. But I believe there's an opportunity for us to clean it up before we leave out those doors. We should always take advantage of the opportunity to be in devotion with the Lord our God. We never know when our time is. And so just like the woman with the lamps and the oils ran out, let's make sure that our lamps are filled today. And by making sure that we have enough oil for our lamps, I believe we can start posturing ourselves in this moment with the challenge of saying, Lord, where am I struggling? How can I clean it up? And may I be a believer that pleases you by what I do on the outside. And may that outside appearance be in connection to the inward appearance. Father, I thank you for your people. I ask that they just receive this word. May they chew it like it's food, like, like it's manna, fresh manna for today, oh God. And may, not, may it not fill our outward hunger, but may it fill our inward hunger for you, Lord. As the dear pentive, oh my soul, we thirst for your love, we thirst for your word, oh Lord, and may we chew on this word that was presented today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.